1: Hey, good morning, Stephen. I've okay, got the cool think shirt on today. That's
0: nice,
1: a... nice. Keith, it's actually—I don't know if there's a good comic strip. Let's see that has a feature called Life's Little Victories. Have you been talking about a guy yeah, named... I haven't heard that one. Okay, it's—it's it's still underground. It has a couple books out, but I don't know that it's featured in that many uh, newspapers. Almost all with alternate newspapers, and that we met why can't i think of his last name we were at the eighth the alternative press expo i think out in san francisco and had a chance to it was like the booth right next to bob the angry flower <laughs> <laughs> once you go alternate you you that's where life in hell started off you know what i mean was Matt right. good, such fame with the simpsons and stuff like that so i've always loved the alternative newspapers because that's where you get the cool music and the cool comedy and stuff and almost always the comic strips they run are not your conventional peanuts type stuff they're the They're a little edgier. They're a little odder. The artwork is, I don't know. They're just, I like having, I have a um, sense of humor that has multiple facets and it's nice to find something. There's one called like red meat where the art can be really off-putting, almost like horror characters. And yet they say very witty things. There's one, and who was it? Maybe David, where it's the same artwork, every single strip, and he just comes up with different captions or different dialogue and has been doing it for years. And it's weird, fuzzing out. I can't tell you, but it's like, what incredible! I admire the creativity and the craft of someone who does always a new strip each time, Far Side and Calvin and Hobbes and all the other greats, Dilbert. And yet, whoever can look at that same frame and find a new thing to say about it it's amazing it's anyway so that's that's where this comes from it's his think strip
0: got it yeah that's where i'm
1: sorry uh, you were breaking up a little
0: oh sorry why am i breaking that this whole (laughs) transmission thing is driving me crazy with uh, i don't know especially because
1: i'm sorry because you say that you do others and it never seems to happen and i thought i had a pretty good web connection and yet there's something about our stuff that is like magically wrong i don't that's get so it but
0: weird yeah. but i love some of the alternatives girl genius started off as a web strip and has branched out and has trade paperbacks and you can buy actual books and stuff exactly
1: uh, that's i've known phil and Kajra foglio for a long not known i guess i've met him at cons and stuff like that i'm not great friends with them but they've been doing stuff in the comic-con world and the like Renaissance fair, filk world. They have all kinds of influences where I really have liked their work for a long time. And then it's very satisfying to see someone that you're worried about, boy, this is really a great strip, but it seems to kind of labor in obscurity. And then it doesn't, it breaks out into the world and they actually get more acclaimed. They're fan favorites. They get books published and stuff like that. And that's always what I hope for you. I hope for other people that are creating beautiful things that they, where the world finally says, yeah, that's really good. I'm sorry that we didn't pay attention to you for the first right. five years or whatever else. It <laughs>
0: yeah, it's all. what Bill has said, <laughs> but it only took him 30 years to be an overnight success.
1: An overnight, exactly.
0: <laughs> Speaking of underground and that, I went down to Pittsburgh over the weekend to okay. the festival of books that they have down there. And it's a fantastic little festival that the library puts on it's really weird because it's on a seminary school grounds it was i was waiting i saw somebody walking around in robes looked like a monk that i think actually lived and worked there but he had bought some books he's carrying a bag it was pretty cool and i I said is there an atm anywhere around here because i wanted to get cash out for some of the stuff i got and they said I think down there, and I'm like, what, monks don't have an ATM? They're like, no. uh,
1: uh, (laughs) Their material needs are few.
0: Exactly. (laughs) Yeah. But it was a nice event. They had some local bookstores. They had the library. They had sections for adults and kids, and they had speakers, and they had readers, and some very interesting people. Like this one gal was set up. She had a nice backdrop, and she was sitting there with her feet up and a typewriter on her lap. And I'm like, So what is this? And she's tell me your name and a few little things. I will type you up a poem. And I'm like, that's pretty freaking cool. Creativity on the spot. That's very cool. Yeah, it is. You get musicians that will ramp on some chords and sing something. She was doing it with poetry and a typewriter. So Drew, because you're back as you're walking around and I'm like, Mm -hmm. I'm wondering if she's going to get enough people to make the. And every time I looked over at her, she had somebody standing there with her typing away. So that's for, that really is. I've
1: always loved going up to a caricaturist or something like that. Yeah. And
0: just in real time, they're going to create
1: something that I get to take with me. I, I think that's intoxicatingly cool to be like, this is really me. It's the only one in the world. I got a personalized sketch or poem or whatever else it might be. So I hope that, I hope her biz- business was booming. Yeah. So,
0: yeah. And she was young. So she might've been a college student or something. It, We've talked about the dearth of the beginner jobs. No no more McDonald's, no more cashier at Walmart, just all these jobs that are disappearing that are the beginner jobs. Well, this is what I tried to be preaching is she created her own beginner job. And and there's plenty of opportunity for that. It's just, I don't think people think that way a lot. (laughs) Sorry. The whole thing was just cool, but it was outdoor and rainy. And I'm like, so that's good. Let's plan a thing like with paper. That. Yeah,
1: that's so <laughs> much not. Exactly. You got to worry about the angle of the rain yes. coming up and make sure your table is safe.
0: Yes. Oh, but uh,
1: I've never heard of this one before. So I didn't even know to think of going to it. So if it's around this time each year, yeah. I'll look into, hey, what's going on in May. And it's, I love events like this. I love where it's, just that the way you're describing it is like, I wish I was there with you. It was, sounds like it's really a good one. Okay. It was
0: fun. Yeah. And of course, I took a picture and Marty replied and said, hey, you're in Pittsburgh and didn't even let me and Paul know. And I'm like, I really didn't have much time. I had to get back home. Right. I said, but hey, how come the librarian isn't at the Festival of Books? <laughs> <laughs> exactly. <laughs> didn't answer I was expecting
1: that. to meet you here. I guess slacking off. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs>
0: okay. But I did run into.
1: So did, just of discovering them thing we look at through Yeah. No, please go ahead.
0: Oh, no, no. Finish. We've got a lag here, so we may have a little this thing. Go ahead.
1: Okay. One of the things that Colleen and I have done, I'm in town in Cleveland area for 20 plus years now. I love small town festivals. I love just finding out we there used to be a very cool calendar that came out that had collected like every single one. And for the first couple of years that it was being produced, it's no longer being produced. We were like, let's go to the potato festival. Let's go to the hot air balloon display. And almost every weekend for the, let's say May to September, the summer months plus we could find out how far are we willing to drive to go to the sauerkraut festival? I guess it's three hours. And we just had such a nice time. 80, 90% of the time it was that wonderful festival feel. It was like, I don't know, always good food, always good company, sometimes a little crazy crowded, sometimes the heat or the rain or the too many dogs or whatever else it might be. But I just love that every little town finds a way to put its best foot forward and say, we're going to have the duct tape festival. We're going to have I love yeah. those and literary events like that. I know that Wooster used to have, they had, for whatever reason, an, an extra number of used bookstores. And so we would go down to that and say, for today, we're going to go and visit every bookstore, visit every bookstore cat. We're going to find some treasure. You know what I mean? You can find a treasure for a quarter or a buck or five bucks. But it something that if you're a book fan, you and I have talked about that when we were doing Brain Freeze five years ago now or something like that, yeah, you yeah. and your family were like, whoa, we're not only doing ice cream, there are bookstores to be explored here. <laughs> yeah. And, so you regularly broke away and We love doing that kind of stuff, especially if you're looking for interesting non-Amazon type books. Little bookstores don't always have their entire inventory or just that by an artifact of, hey, it's in, I don't know, Aberdeen, Ohio or something like that. They'll have a different selection than everywhere else because it's just by luck. Whatever a collector there, when they died, the estate sale, all these books went to this place. And I have found treasure like a book i hadn't seen in 40 years and a place has it it's like well and not only sometimes i needed it
0: and sometimes i was like i have to buy this just so i can give it to a friend because <laughs> you know what i mean yeah so, yeah anyway. And I did run into a table. Luckily, it was under a nice little shelter area that had three guys that were selling their independent comic books. Um, And I was like, oh, that's pretty cool. And we started chatting a little bit. And I, of course, bought some. One was a retelling of Beowulf in modern world. One was like time traveling Western guy. And the other one was turning Pittsburgh into superhero Berg, essentially. Yeah, so I grabbed those, but we were chatting and they know Ted secora and they're like oh if you like cleveland based books check out ted secora and yeah i got it already talked to him yeah and uh, (laughs) but they i told them they were like we just started chatting and i'm like oh i do a podcast and i'll probably talk about your stuff if those guys are listening the beowulf the heroine and uh, forgive me i forget the other one but i'll put show notes in there they said they'd go listen Mm -hmm. and a little shout out to them like we've always said people go check these little festivals and things out, support local independent creators and authors and artists. Oh, and there was a group there that had a contest for short stories and they made anthologies. So I'm like, okay, I love short stories. I love supporting this stuff. So I bought a couple of those and I opened the first book and it says cover, cover painting by William Keith. Oh, Hey, I know that man too. Honestly, I think that there's often that wonderful support network that everybody that's
1: in this place of trying to, make a living at it trying to be discovered and etc etc they all kind of band together in support of each other because the rest of the world has given them a little shoulder you know what i mean so it in fact we should we could even start today but we should do an episode we by having been in these fields multiple wonderful literary or geeky fields we have all kinds of friends that we should say hey I have a friend, Kate Hutchinson, who's been doing chapbooks of poetry, like for all of her life, just about. And I have bought many of them for Colleen for birthday or Christmas presents. and They're great. You know what I mean? It's one of those undiscovered. I I don't know how many copies she sells, but whenever I write to her and say, hey, what's your latest? Could you please personalize one and send it to Colleen? They're just it's very cool to be in support of those people, and very cool to give Colleen something that the rest of the world doesn't know about. But then, if it's really high quality, you want to pick it up and go, "Everybody, why aren't you reading this? This is so good!" So, I as we start to think of Anne Mosconi has done beautiful puzzle books and a Verdant Earth series that I really liked. And I'll tell you, that's one of those where she actually sent me either sent me or I bought a copy, and then. I was bad in that I didn't do a review of it on Amazon or where I should. And one of the things I should do is go through my collection and assist that. It's not only that I enjoyed it, I want to put it out there and say, hey, if you've never heard of this, trust me, I've read a lot and this really stands out. And in fact, uh, shout out to, they're with me, Mike Lucas I'm feeling really foolish and guilty. I've been, Colleen Colleen is at a conference this week, I've been working on like elf magic. I've been cleaning the house and doing all kinds of stuff, getting old furniture down to the street and actually free cycle worked and they picked up these end tables that they needed a little bit of repair. So having said that, he sent me a review copy of called Finding Your Funny Muscle. He's a stand-up comedian whose work we had really enjoyed. He lived in Cleveland for a while and I think he's down in Texas nowadays, but I, I really wanted to get it done by the 15th because that's when his book went on sale. And because I was doing these other things, I didn't get it done in a timely fashion. And now it's on sale, but I really want to post something that says not only, Hey, Mike's my friend, but I read the book and the book is really good. So don't just take it as being blandishment from a friend. It's it, the book is about everybody wants to be funnier. Everybody wants to, when you're looking on the dating site, just, I want someone that's rich and funny or something like that. And it really walks through here's how to do that. Here's how to think more humorously. Here's how to have that more in your life. Here's how to commit to taking that little sideways view of the world, how to just be working your funny muscle. Always be thinking of what's the odd thought I can have here, the play on words, experiment with your friends. You know what I mean? Sometimes you don't start off being funny. It's not like you were born that way. Some people have (laughs) an interesting view of the world, but then you have to kind of, I don't know, Colleen and I often talk about how you don't so much have a sense of humor as it has you. (laughs) I think of funny things all the time. And you know what? Funny things aren't always appropriate. Or if you get like half a dozen different ideas for a joke, you don't just spew them out like kind of like Tourette's. You think of what's the best of those? what be crafty? You think of the right words and that kind of stuff. And so developing those skills of how to phrase it brevity is the soul of wit how to experiment with your your audience and know that telling a crude joke when you're in the seminary is not going to fly as well as if you know so and and how to do it in real time not have that ghost of the staircase. I really have to remember the perfect French phrase. It's like le phantom d'escalier or something like that, where you think of a really good joke 15 minutes after you've left the party. You really need to be able to do it in real time so that people think you're quick-witted. And so... I'm gifted a little bit in that way. I'm a relatively funny guy, but I'm also a quick-witted guy. And there's any number of times where not only did people laugh, but they were like, how did you come up with it so quick? And I don't know, somehow my brain fires so that I go through, I get a whole bunch of different alternatives. You say the word red, it's not going could be communism, or that could be apples, or that could be And you go through that. And then you pick the one that, it like not only is it the funniest, but hopefully, this crowd hasn't heard it before. I don't jokes preloaded that I'm looking for an opportunity to, to use my Brigadoon joke or whatever else it might be. I'm sometimes amazed, like, I don't know where that came from. And yet, it made me laugh when, I, when it made me laugh inside when I thought of it.
0: And I figured I'd share it with you. <laughs> so. It's because you're actually an AI, it's chat Al. <laughs> I do have people talk, I don't have
1: multiple voices in my head. And and as spooky as that might sound, but I know that I can think of multiple things and be operating on various different things at the same time, kind of like parallel processing instead of serial. And when something comes up that's worthy of notice, then it bubbles up and it comes to the fore. And so it, and we've talked about this, whatever that refraction period, I'll use that even though that's an inappropriate term, but that's part of what's funny about being funny is you think of (laughs) What's the thing that's, everybody knows what it is, but it's inappropriate, but you say it anyway. When we have a thing where I can't quite think of the word or the fact, I don't like uh, try to come up with it. I just keep going with the conversation. And in the meanwhile, my little file clerks in my head are going through things. They're going like, ding, oh, that's an email. And I'm amazed at how often it happens. Like I said, instead of the 15 minute, oh, now it's too late. Oftentimes it'll pop up in 15 or 20 seconds when it is still appropriate to the conversation and every time that happens brain thank you so much for whatever little quirky thing you got going that you can not pay full attention but be working on something and right. then it still comes out and then you have the craft to be able to work it into the conversation and and comedians call that a callback where the act has moved on but then you make a reference to something that shows people you really were listening to what they were saying and it's still funny and it can bring you back to something that wasn't fully discussed or whatever else it might be so i like all of those things about <laughs> humor about how the brain works it's I read a lot about that too like how does your brain really work and a lot of how we've figured out how the brain works is like when people get they have things wrong with them and you're like why is it the language center now it doesn't work as it used to or that they're they used, didn't used to be colorblind they took a blow to the head and how it affected their mighty holographically integrated yeah. brain is they lost their sense of distinguishing between colors it's and then you, there must be a particular place that it most got bonked or right. that the exact between your, how is it? You got a left and a right brain and there's a corpus callosum in the middle that kind of joins the two. And so if your left and your right brain are the, the wordy part and the physical part, and then if they join together, all those things that we know a little bit about, where's your language center? Where's your emotion center? What's your reptile brain? That that Those kind of things, before you can even think of it, they say, get away from the fire. And the more that we understand that, the more that it's fascinating to me how much we don't understand. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Amazing. 17 layer cakes. And who knows what's really going on all the time? I'm (laughs) saying all this without pre-thinking it. It's just coming out. So amazingly fast and cool that I can come up with something that isn't just word salad, it not just gibberish, even though I don't know before I say it where I'm going to go. And I love that when I speak, it is often like that. I have the loose outline and things come out that are still relatively coherent, relatively interesting. And I love that my brain's got all these things ready to share. You know what I mean? Like when I go to a topic, it's we got a hundred things and I don't think we can get through a hundred things in an hour. So let's keep trying to go to the top 25 and that kind of thing.
0: <laughs> you said you don't have multiple voices in your head. I'm sorry for that, but right there, right there. And then you also said about the reviews and i'll jump in with that because i don't think people understand how important reviews are for authors especially independent authors in today's world that I would give somebody a book if they said they were going to leave a review. It doesn't even have to be a glowing five-star review, a four. I'd even take a three if that's what they really thought. Now, if it's going to be a one or two and I gave you a free book, just keep the book. Don't give me that review. I'm okay with that. Right, exactly. yeah,
1: yeah. Thanks for that feedback. Yeah. yeah.
0: But the thing is people don't really, people are afraid to leave a one or two star review for a friend because they're like oh it's going to kill it the idea is to have a thousand reviews not two or three and those ones and twos get lost to shuffle people don't even really usually look at them they just see yeah. oh there's a thousand reviews and it's got a 4.3 average that sounds good to me and they've exactly.
1: shown the groundswell of interest and the yeah. overall thing These, okay yeah yeah,
0: yeah. It, it is super important to leave reviews on Amazon, on Kobo, on Barnes and Noble, on Apple, on Google, leave the, even if it's just click the four star or something, don't leave a long review. That's fine. But yeah, yeah. it's su- such a big deal for authors.
1: Yeah. It's, that's worth going into a little bit. When I, when the net first started to be useful to people and the first crowd review sites type opened up where Yelp reviews or travel for Travelocity or something like that. And unfortunately the first ones were really authentic someone's been there and then they had to come up with an authentication mechanism because they found out that all kinds of people were saying to their friends hey why don't you talk about what a wonderful time you had at my restaurant and we're going to get a whole bunch of 4.6 reviews and stuff like that and that's like fakely biased towards what you want is an authentic one you want it and people i think sometimes can sniff out when something is just almost AI driven. You know, I had a wonderful time, the place is neat and clean, et cetera, et cetera. They have, they looked at the keyword list and they said, which ones are they going to include? Helpful staff, that kind of stuff. Whereas when I write a review, I really try to make sure that it's still my voice that's saying it. So I don't come off as a review robot that these guys just turned on to bolster the number of reviews that they have. So- i have used that when i'm planning i'm i we're calling and i are traveling and there's multiple places that we could stay and you read a couple bad reviews that really seem to be oh that sounds authentic and it doesn't sound too good you know what i mean if this is wow the hotel is really nice except at night when it's a crack den you know what i mean (laughs) sometimes it's people not only giving too many good reviews or other like maybe competitors torpedoing a place because that happens too unfortunately so you you have to be just like everything else, I guess, a good discriminating reader to say which ones seem kind of like the Olympic judging, right? You throw out the best scores and the worst scores, and then you look at the mass in the middle that say that's a more in its totality authentic view of what's going on. And so I need to be, I should be more in the when Amazon first came out and various other things, like you just said, where are the places I could leave a review. I tried to get into that maybe one, two, three paragraph thing where I really will highlight how it worked for me and enough. Enough so that it seemed like it was me, that it was a real person. I need to be back in that habit because sometimes when you're so much a consumer, you're not necessarily spending time reviewing what you just read. You're on to the next thing. (laughs) But then top 10 lists, like we've talked about doing, I really need to jump on that because pick a way of looking at the particular criteria that you might use. And then these are the best books that that occur in Lithuania. And who knows why that would be, but still the more top 10 list things that people, that they appear on then you're like, wow, of all the things that this guy has read, or all these people have read, it appears on three out of those top 10 lists, there must be something there. You know what I mean? If this guy's read 10,000 books, and it's in his top 10, that's pretty rarefied. That's a pretty good benediction. So in, in that way, not only for our friends, but for the people whose work we really respect, it'd be nice to give that shout out. And it very I've never been able to do this before. These last two years, when you talk to someone that you really, and you're like, I have to do a podcast. <laughs> if you would like to be a guest on our podcast, we would like to give you an hour worth of, we ask pretty good questions. You'll have a nice time with us. You'll get whatever that little tiny bit of familiarity and fame from having been forever now on our podcast. Right. I hope that the folks that we've done it for, Catherine and Ted and John, that they've gotten a little bit of, they can also say, hey, I was interviewed on a podcast. Somebody thought my work was not only like, put them on a list, but let's talk to you for an hour. Because this is weird. A lot of people, I don't know that they even ever get a straight hour. When they're on a panel, they get a fragment of the time that's available. And how often do they get featured like that? In this, in that little way, we can encourage our friends and support our, the people whose work we admire and stuff like that.
0: Yeah. And it's
1: out there forever on the web, but it's got some permanence to it. That's kind of cool.
0: Yeah, And (laughs) so you mentioned author panel. So I might as well use that as a quick little segue. In September, Memorial Day or Labor Day weekend, sorry, Labor Day weekend, Western Pennsylvania always does their annual gathering, their regional gathering on that weekend because it's a longer weekend and there's a lot of stuff going on well. Saturday of that weekend, I'm holding an author panel at the RG, and right now I think there's five or six authors on there. It could vary; it's still a couple months away. Things change, okay. but not only is Bill going to be on it, so we've got a professional writer that's been doing it traditionally for thirty some years
1: and with great success. He's regularly on the lists. You know what yes. I mean? Okay, yeah,
0: yeah. In fact, Humble Bundle just had a BattleTech book. Uh, sale going on, and the first two were Bill's books. So I was like, "Oh, oh hey, cool!" Yeah. Yeah. But I also am going to have a ten-year-old kid on there that's an author that wrote a book that. It was part of a school project that he wanted to turn into a published book. And his mother, when I was talking to her, she was like, oh, yeah, we learned a whole lot about publishing really quick. (laughs) But he's going to be on the panel. He's 10, but he wrote it when he was like seven or eight. Wow. And then there's going to be a lady on there that's 74. And she just started writing poetry books and publishing those. So this huge range of independent and traditionally published and young and old and the whole gamut and i'm like this is going to be the coolest author panel
1: <laughs> that sounds great and just that the perspective that we'll get from each of them and that they'll get from each other and stuff like that well, it's kind of funny colleen and i used to be regular attendees at the pittsburgh rg and then it started to be that there was always like a cookout and stuff like that was right on saturday and so it right. you, you kind of fragments it and yet you know what it's we miss it. We miss that group of people. David Truly are there, all kinds of Robert Goldsmith. And your program sounds like, oh, I want to be there. I want to be there to hear what all these people have to say. So I'm going to ply Colleen with my wild. Okay. If we go, we can either just for once miss other things. We can take it. And the fact that she's going to be retired as of June right. 30th. So our schedule is. It's not only that it's all ours now, it's that we're wanting to try new things or break existing things and just say, you know what? We want to make some changes just to see how things can be different. We're going to experiment a little bit. And so the, whatever it is with friends and family that you got disappointed once in a while, it would, and it's not, hey, we're we're doing this otherwise forever and we're never going to see you again, but it just is okay to once in a while say, you know what? We need to take a break. We need to yeah. do something a little bit different. So COVID taught us all that. Hey, Boy, is that true too it has already emboldened us to say, you know, like, sorry, can't do it, COVID. And I want to keep using that. That's not the code word.
0: For... Sorry, can't do it, Spanish flu. Exactly. You don't know, come up with that. I'm not very, very sorry. You know, I, I might get rickets, so I can't come.
1: Okay. Having said that, it's terrifying to be reading about what's the latest disease that really is rampaging across the United States. Apparently Lyme disease. you know, like, however, our climate is changing. It's making it that you don't get the, the timing of the seasonal changes is different the hard freezes that used to kill bugs and stuff like that lyme disease is one of the ones that's born by ticks if i remember right and colleen and i love going hiking in the woods and on a hot day you want to be out there in just muscle shirt and shorts not anymore not if you got ticks waiting to jump you and give you this debilitating disease what a sad digression but that's the kind of thing where i don't want to pick the wrong disease i don't want to be oh yeah i got lyme disease and it says my son just oh. got lyme disease you
0: utter bastard for saying that
1: so i <laughs> i have to be careful about not picking the wrong plague but i mean right. so, oh, it is that sounds good okay
0: yeah that'd be great if you guys <laughs> i was also thinking of doing a program and i don't know i debating this i'm gonna ask robert i was thinking of doing on friday night just a quick little talk on the differences and similarities between customizable card games living card games and deck builders because they're similar but different and i know i've talked to a couple people at times like oh there's this deck builder you want to play and i don't like those games i don't get into those and i'm like why not because i don't have the money And both no it's not a trading card game it's a deck build. they're different so i just wonder if some people don't understand the differences between the different types. So I thought it yeah. might be a fun little talk. That
1: would be an honestly a very a good geeky talk in terms of to be able to here's what here's the characteristics of each of these various different things. And they're not absolutely distinct. There's a lot of Venn diagram crossover as to why it's interesting and who can play and what the age range whatever else it might be. So I that's another talk I'd love to do. In fact I need to talk to Robert and see I've been for a while, I worked on my drinking from the fire hose talk about if you're looking to watch and play and read the best things of all time, how do you do that? And I'm probably doing it at Halloween in Chicago, but I kind of like to have a few rounds before I do it at the AG is not available this year because they're getting such high quality outside of Mensa speakers that very few yeah. internal speakers got the nod. I did not. So I like to do a talk a couple times and it gets better each time. Hey. You get an idea of what, what really seems to resonate with the audience, what things you learned in terms of doing further research. Every time I do it, it's a quarter different. And by the time I get to the end, it's really a well-honed thing. And so maybe I should throw it out at Pittsburgh and see if they'd like to do it. So anyway, yeah. okay.
0: Yeah, that'd be cool. And I don't know what, I'm going to talk to Robert, what games and stuff are tournaments, because that's always a touchy thing. People always want the same tournaments, but then other people are like, yeah, I've played that tournament a couple times. I'm not. So you get something different. Like I know when exploding kittens got big, they started right. having exploding kittens tournaments. And I know the kids always love that. That's a good one at uh pa one okay uh, we just you know, played
1: zombie kitten recently with colleen sisters and that's where now you don't just die they actually come shambling back as zombies and nice. so it was a fun one of those things where it, once you hit you try to keep doing new variations to sell more sets and stuff right. like that
0: i just listened <laughs> to a podcast with the creator and business owner of the exploding kittens huh. and i did i knew it, you know it had gone big and exploded mm-hmm. and stuff and it was an interesting podcast. It was an entrepreneur podcast. I'll try and find which one and put a okay. link. But they did a Kickstarter. That's how it started, that they did the Kickstarter and pushed it out there. They were hoping to get $10,000 and sell a couple copies and move on. Do you know how much they sold?
1: $100,000, 10 times as much.
0: $9 million.
1: <laughs> Wow.
0: That's a life-changingly cool thing. It was, absolutely. You know, if
1: they were looking for, hey, um, besides this, I'm still working at a desk job and whatever else it might be. And that gives them freedom. That The Medici thing where that sponsors them to look into all the other creative yeah, things they want absolutely. to do it. You know what I mean? They don't go and spend it on, hey, now I got gold-plated toilets and stuff like that. It's more, I'm going to like forever be a creative person doing yes. games and having fun. All and right. they've
0: done that. If you go look, and they've got their stuff in Target Walmart and that. And if mm-hmm. you go look, their company, they've got multiple games on the shelf and they've put right. more on there. And one, the, So the guy, Alon, he worked for Microsoft before that. And okay. he, he said one day he got said hey steven spielberg is in your office he wants to talk about the game for the new movie and he's are you kidding me and it was <laughs> that's so funny <laughs> but that he did an interesting thing for the kickstarter now i'm assuming most people listening to us have know what kickstarter is and kickstarter probably and
1: indigo exactly okay yeah.
0: so <laughs> they want they said kickstarters do well with stretch goals you got to yeah. have those little in- incentives and they're like we have this exploding kittens game. There are no other cards. There's no other stretch goals. So they started, they said, we don't know what to do exactly. So they started doing things to build community. And this is like such a good lesson for everybody. They said, if five people send us pictures of cats playing poker, then we will do this for the game. And so they got all these Pictures. So it built this community of people saying, Oh, I want to see the pictures. Oh, I like that one. And oh, mm. I want to do the next one and all this type of stuff. <laughs> and they said, That's when it shot up. They said, Usually you get all your friends and family and they had reached 10,000. They're like, Okay, so what can we do now? And they did all this community stuff and went from like 10,000 to 9 million.
1: <laughs> wow. How heartening. And in fact, that's we talk about this often because it really is a theme. I love the fact that. People talk often about the web, about how it's a megaphone, and amplifier, and often they go to the negative. They go, oh, we got the crazies now that the conspiracy theorists and stuff like that. But think of all the things that have come to be because of Kickstarter and Indigo, Indigo where Someone could have labored in obscurity in neighborhood Chicago and maybe done things at their local gaming store and stuff like that. But now the world is their neighborhood and they really get to say, hey, I'm thinking of this idea for not Lord of the Rings because that's a licensed product, but like elves and dwarves and that kind of stuff. And they're going to an amusement park. And the fact that they can like a net has always been about. You don't make big plans and then execute them. Once you know it's perfect, you try things and whatever the best of the various different tries works and more people start to pick up on it in an ad hoc way. So the fact that you can do all this experimentation and see what works, there are winners and losers. Not every idea is a great idea or doesn't have the lightning bolt, the lucky streak that makes it, but all kinds of stuff have come into being because, Hey, I decided I was going to do something interesting. And I was curious as to whether other people would find it interesting. And how heartening it is to be not just a hundred, not just 10,000, but 9 million people said exploding kittens. I just like saying that it's a funny, inherently a little bit cruel, but funny type thing. And the fact that they were creative enough and industrious enough to run with it. And as you said, build community, try various different variations. Now they got multiple games from that same gaming house and stuff like that. I love seeing people given that opportunity, if you will. So regularly, there's never a time nowadays where Colleen and I, where are we going to eat? Where are we going to travel to? What's the, we regularly use crowdsourcing in the ways alluding back to earlier. You got to be a discriminating consumer of that kind of stuff, but there's so much great information nowadays. Lynn Hartwig, a friend just posted how her having a smartphone, she's been a traveler for a long time and it's changed her life in terms of you go to London And instead of being, if I didn't buy the right guidebook, if I don't speak the language, London perhaps being an exception, though they do have a different word for everything, you're just emboldened to be like, I really know how to find where the tube station is. And that with my phone, I can probably even not have to worry about English money, if you will, but I'll be able to do that it does in real time. And what's the good restaurant to eat at? What's the best time to go to Madame Tussauds Wax Museum? Because on Tuesdays, they have it special, or it's just it's the least crowded on this day. And... It emboldens you to just go exploring, know that you've got this wonderful connection to all the world's knowledge in your hand and you don't use it just to watch kitten videos. You use it to what's... I love that we're in this world and I talk about lustfully, I can't wait to have the AR goggles so that I can look at things and it'll name that mountain for me and it'll tell me what the price is and whether there's a better price just two blocks away or whatever else it might be. But the fact that you can do that in near real time on your phone... When Colleen and I have gone to Toronto for our comedy festival, it's been so cool. to We know how to use the public transit system. We regularly find restaurants that we wouldn't, just from walking the blocks, you wouldn't necessarily have stumbled onto them. But if you're looking at, hey, where's the best Thai food in Toronto? And so that's right on the path to our show on Thursday night. We just have so much benefited from all that information being available. And if you learn how to tap into it, it opens your world it explodes the world of possibilities for you yeah. and gives you safety we know this only runs until 1 in the morning so don't be waiting on the street for the muggers to find you at 1 in the morning know that you can these run all night these don't We're, what's the neighborhood that gets really nice with nightlife up until this point and then it gets a little seedy so get out we it's just i know and, i just wow
0: <laughs> and our phones have been pretty useful for almost two decades. They grew really quick. Heck, I remember when Megan was born in 2002, that I had a Palm Pilot and I had put Lord Tarzan on there and I was reading Tarzan while we were in between everything. But now it seems like more and more, there's so many things I can do with my phone and I can do almost all my work from the phone. Now it's much more difficult to program and develop and upload files, but... A lot of the other services that I do with work are right on the phone. I can, you know, keep, do so much from the phone. It's crazy exactly. today mm. that so much of that is available, even more yeah. than two, th- two, three years ago.
1: Yeah. I'll tell you, I don't know if you do this. We talk, it's kind of funny. Everything ties together in our podcast. So I don't have multiple guys in my head, but I have multiple threads that I'm continually thinking of partially so that I don't miss things. And so like all the events that I have going on, some things are uh, so infrequent, but I don't want to miss them that I don't want to give them too much attention, but I don't want to miss them. So you get an app that says, when's the next possibility of the Northern Lights being visible from within reasonable driving distance of Cleveland? I'm willing to drive up into Michigan or into New York or go close to a great lake where there's this expansive blackness at night it'll give you a better view than if you're drowned by city light and so you get the cool app or like when's the next solar eclipse coming i can tell you exactly the path and that's why i'm going to be in norwalk with nick and kelly and all of those interesting things that calendar that i talked about which was a physical calendar i love that i can browse through events on facebook and go huh another arts festival I'm interested within reasonable driving distance. And here's the <laughs> potato festival. And here's the, it's just very cool that it's made that marketplace of ideas where people can put out there, Hey, we're going to be having a duct tape festival. And we really don't know how many people are going to come, but there's a multiplier that comes with putting into this event list that millions of people can look at. And I regularly have so happily stumbled onto I didn't know that George Thurgood was going to be touring. If not in Cleveland, then close enough, we're getting tickets to go to Pittsburgh. or And actually, we're seeing him in Cleveland. But all those kinds right. of things, when you, when you develop a new interest, like we just saw a bunch of magic shows in Vegas. I know that there's a magic club in Erie, Pennsylvania. And so now I'm on their mailing list. And it's regularly, I don't even know that much about that this guy or this gal. But if it's an hour and a half away, and I got like a Magic Jones going, maybe I'll make a little weekend out of Erie. I'll drive there, see the show, stay overnight. Next day, go to Presque Isle State Park and take a walk, or I'll go play some mini golf, or I'll have a nice brunch, or whatever else it might be. The fact (laughs) that you can wake up and say, where's the best brunch in Erie, Pennsylvania, and get a relatively good clue, that's just magically cool to me. You know what I mean? That You have so much information at your fingertips. So. Uh
0: And you mentioned Facebook. Facebook is wonderful for events and finding events and looking things up. And a little tip, and I may have mentioned this before, uh, on my phone, it doesn't work on the desktop that I've seen, but on your phone app, if you look at an event and you click on it, because you get a list of events, and you can click interested or going or whatever just from that list. But if you click on the event to open it up as the only event you're looking at, And then you click on whether you're going or interested or something, you can go in the settings and it will automatically add it to your Google calendar, your calendar.
1: Exactly. I've done that multiple times. So it is just now I've got this and I hope that I'll get a prompt from them. It's that I put something in my calendar and sometimes I've had to be, Oh, without knowing it, because I've done this browsing through events multiple times. Now I see that there's three things going on that, and I'm going to have to choose one or there's any number of times. Colleen is a little bit, fatigued by we can go here and then we can go here that same night and she doesn't necessarily <laughs> like to do that I, I have stamina and voracious appetite and stuff like that Whereas like can we just pick one can we just kind of not run around going to various different things most of all she's up for it a lot of times she's We'll do that next year.
0: (laughs) One of the problems I found with it though is under my Google account, I've got multiple calendars for different things like Colin's work schedule and activities and just different. And I can turn them on and off so I can look and see the problem is it only adds to the default calendar. You can't choose to add it to other calendars. I'd rather put it on my activity calendar that I can turn off if I just want to see the important stuff. Right.
1: Instead of it mixing into other things. That yeah. and I, For a while I had that, I used iCal as well as Google Calendar. And iCal, I did the same thing. I classified all different kinds of stuff. So it was like the kind of event or it was family or friends or whatever. Right. else. Like, and for whatever reason, at one point, my default calendar got set to like, medical slash dental because i like to keep track of those appointments but then all of a sudden you're finding out oh that strawberry festival is apparently a medical event (laughs) (laughs) and i had to go cleaning up a little bit and then you get good at how do i find those and how do i change them either singly or in bulk but don't change all of them and so i got from that little glitch for a while i got better at how to differentiate between those and then you find out oh i have one museum and one museum's so now I got to join those two together. And a little bit of cleaning that up every year actually makes the overall experience much better. Yeah. I, my Same with my email. I have all kinds of folders for all different kinds of things. But then if you hash it too hard, you get, wow, I, I have so many things now that I don't go into those folders. And then the first time you go to, oh my God, it went on sale and I missed the pre-sale and now I'm not going to get tickets to George Thurgood. It's, I have to get into the right habit, the right combination of, I segregated it, but then I have to go look at that segregated folder instead of missing it, just coming into my inbox. And, and I, anyway, <laughs>
0: I, I have to. Some Sometimes I start rushing. Oh, I got this uh, things to do. So, real quick, okay, I want to remember that. And I add it to my calendar. And seven months later, it pops up on the calendar. It's checkup site. <laughs> checkup what site? What checkup am I doing? I'm like, <laughs> stupid idiot, put a better descriptor in there and puts right. on what you got to, or it pops up and says, Tickets for and then nothing. Tickets for what? What tickets?
1: (laughs) I really do try to always make sure, like you said, I give it the right subject line, the right title. I had a friend, D, who has left us, but every time I got an email from her, it was like, oh, a mystery box. The the, the subject line said nothing about interesting, or she had all these like standard things and. I guess that's, she was an early purveyor of click through. You can't know what's, uh, what it is from the subject line. You had to click in, but it was when you're used to scanning a whole bunch of stuff and seeing what needs to be handled now. And maybe later it was always that little bit of, oh, D, please. And I mentioned it to her. wasn't, it? I just fretted in silence. It was like, D, you're, especially when we were both working on Cleveland area Mensa stuff, when I would get some things from her that were that orientation or personal or whatever else it might be, you need at least to differentiate between, let me know what things are urgent or important or cam related or whatever else, because otherwise I I blip through when I don't have an idea of whether I should read this or not. And not to be weird, my time is like valuable and sometimes there's not enough of it. So please, for your sake, make a point of standing out because otherwise I really do just pass through all the things that say, take a look.
0: It, it's almost
1: always them spammy, not worth right. taking a look at, if you know what I'm trying to say. Yep, so yep. anyway, yeah, yeah,
0: I love when I get the emails with something to do and it's this big, long subject. They put every, all the instructions of what they want in the subject right. and I've got my things fitting. So I'm reading it and it's two words and I'm like, what the heck is that?" So I have to open it. I have to stretch the whole thing out. And I'm like, ah, yeah, it's just annoying.
1: <laughs> it's there. There used to be etiquette, you know, how to do good email, good messaging, that kind of stuff. There's been, because there's now such a cross pollination between who's texting and who's emailing and who's Facebook messaging and who's et cetera, et cetera, that people don't Look at the media that your medium that they're using and tune it to that. So, I regularly get things like, I don't know, I just, if you make it hard on me, you might not get me. You might not get me to read it. You might not. And so, I try to do that. I always try to think of what would be the best things to include for how it's going to appear to them at first. And if they open it, that it really does have all the information neatly lined up, not read a terse, not even a terse, read a flowing paragraph and how to pick out the things that you need from there. So, When I was doing calendar editor stuff for Cam, for instance, I really tried to have a standard format that in my mind and from talking to others, it really does work if you do it like you can scan in four lines, you know, when it is, where it is, how much it's going to cost, all all that kind of stuff. You don't want to have to dig for it. And if you hit a standard, then stay with it. Don't go experiment, like maybe experimenting for the first couple of times until you get it. But then not only would I put my own stuff in it, but of course I would put everybody else's stuff in it And the folks that would say, don't change my copy, it's so please let me give you a little bit of advice. I really want to change your copy because you will stand out as the one that is different than everybody else's. And it's going to stand out in a way that it's worse than everybody else's, not better. You know what I mean? And some people don't want to hear that. And yet there's a combination of information and efficiency of transmission that is the sweet spot you want to hit when you're doing that kind of
0: stuff. You know, And you mentioned netiquette. I (laughs) was noticing this the other day. When cell phones were first starting... 25 years ago, or whatever, it was common that if you were at a checkout line, you would end your conversation. Now, people talk on the phone and go through the whole process. And the kids at the checkout counter allow it because they've grown up doing the same thing. But I remember people would be like, Oh, I got to get off. I'm ringing out here or something. And they don't have that anymore.
1: Yeah. (laughs) I must admit, I still have a bad reaction to if they're on the phone so much that it's affecting their ability to efficiently transact with the person and there's three people in line behind him and they're all delayed because this guy won't get off the freaking phone sometimes people really will say buddy take a minute to put in your order and then go back to your call but don't do it at our expense and we colleen and i laugh all the time about the eye pause that thing of when the light turns green people have to come out of their phone in order to continue (laughs) driving and so If you're not paying enough attention that you can't even, the, the four cars behind you are going to have to wait that three seconds it takes you to come out. I really have not been a jerk in the past about honking at people. And yet nowadays, instead of giving it five or 10 seconds, I give it like three to do that helpful tap that's going to wake them up and say, if you're not paying attention, we all are, we'll help you. Oh, we'll help you come out that, of it. You know, what I, I don't blare at them. Right. Just is, stop, stop doing this at our expense. You know what it's, I mean? I'm not accepting of it in every way. But
0: there, that's so much better than <laughs> so many people. I've been at a light, literally, the second it turns green, the guy behind me is laying on his horn. It's like,
1: Right. And, that, and I'm like, think, oh. Right. And I hit
0: the brake. I look at the light. I give it a little <laughs> gas <laughs> and pull forward. I'm like, if you're going to be a complete jerk about it, I didn't even have time to bring my foot off the brake when right. it turned green and you're laying on the horn behind me. Now, if your wife is in labor, I guess I can understand it, but there's nobody else in the car with you. Now you're gonna really go get ticked off as I waste all your time going through this green light. <laughs> it, and it, I <laughs> it, Colin <laughs> does the same thing when he's checking people out at the store. If yeah. they're on the phone and there's other people in the store, he'll set their books aside and says, We'll ring you up when you're off the phone. When and you're he ready. brings up the next guy, you know. Okay.
1: Exactly. It Colleen and I regularly, when we're in traffic and you see someone who's cutting people off and stuff like that we kind of laugh and say i hope that doctor gets to his open heart surgery appointment in time because exactly. there's no reason he should be doing this other than critical emergency you know what i mean and no some people are just oh it's <laughs> the combination of being on the phone and not paying enough attention putting other people in danger we regularly man i that's such a bad combo i don't really <laughs> i was driving like we always talk about you can learn about by people gaming about what they're like and stuff like that. I think that you can learn so much by watching how people drive as to yeah. are they paying enough attention? Do they have consideration for others? Are they do they take risks knowledgeably and willingly, or are they just a menace? Yeah. And I think I mentioned there's a weird thing nowadays. I think it's video game related. It used to be that left was fast, that right was slow, and if you're in the middle lane, people should go to the left lane to pass you. Yeah. How many times? Half the time, at least, I see people pull into the right lane to go past me. And I guess they're going to the exit. And then when they pass the exit, well, now I know you're just a jerk. You know what I mean? So I regularly more hang in the right-hand lane because I, if I need to get over, I'm not used to, I'm getting more and more used to checking the right-hand right. lane to see if someone has crept up into my blind spot because I'm not used to people passing me on the right. They're training me as well as I'm trying to train them Occasionally, when I see someone come zooming along and there's not an exit, because I know the roads that I regularly travel for a while, I really will pull over to the right lane, not cutting them off, but just say, "Buddy, please learn to go around me on the left." Maybe it's you don't want to be in the left-hand lane because that's where the police will find you. Maybe it's because in a video game it doesn't matter what lane you're in; they're all equal, but it does in real life. So, it I'm sure that there's all kinds of maybe generationally saying you don't know what you're talking about. Everybody drives this way. No, not quite yet. And as long as we're all sharing the road together, please, fast left, slow. It's better for everyone. Absolutely. In in terms of just that little bit of consideration and awareness of there's rules for the road, suggestions for the road, and every time you violate it, you make it harder on everyone.
0: Uh, Yeah. I I, (laughs) I love when people are going way too slow and people are coming up like, oh, geez, I almost hit the, or worse, like, a truck you're going around a semi and i'm going a little bit over the speed limit trying to get around them that's right. what you should do i know that some people like will park next to a semi and just go to the same speed and block and it. convoy everybody
1: behind them exactly yeah. Yeah.
0: but the ones that again the ones that annoy me are i'm going over the speed limit i'm going around this truck and some guy comes up behind me and starts flashing his lights at me i'm like i can't move over i'm beside a truck you right. moron Oh, I'm sorry. Was I going too fast for you? I'll slow down. And then they're like flashing their lights and honking the horn. I'm like, hey, you know what? If you hadn't been a jerk, I would have been around them already. Come on. I'm sure it didn't teach them anything other than to say, oh, everybody else on the roads are horrible drivers.
1: It's a lot of how I think about that. And of course it isn't always this way but what i maintain is if i go four miles over the speed limit oh no i really am breaking the law but that seems to be enough that the police never pay attention to me and it's with the flow of traffic and i'm right doing the thing. flow of traffic i've read that if you go eight miles over the speed limit that still is like the policeman's limit where they won't be tempted to pull you over and so what you're just saying if i'm going eight miles over because i'm trying to pass somebody and somebody zooms up behind me it's now i'm not going to put myself at risk of being the one noticed because maybe the policeman will pull me over instead of you so i'll keep going 68 instead of 60 and if you're tailgating me it's like as soon as i pass this truck you'll have all the open left lane that you need but i'm not going to go 70 and 72 and 74 just because you're impatient and I know I shouldn't be in the left lane doing nothing. I don't dawdle along at 60, but 68 is, that's how much law I'm willing to break for you. That's how much. <laughs> sorry, right. that, Again, sorry, doctor. I hope you get to that special operation in time.
0: Yeah. And that, you know, that's the other thing. <laughs> if you are in the left-hand lane, the passing lane, and the, the speed limit's 70, get out of the left lane if you're only doing 65, <laughs> that's <right laughs> please. There.
1: That's right. Because... I really try to regularly be aware of my circumstances, aware of the road. When it goes from 60 to 65 to 70, I'm bumping my cruise control up appropriately. Oh, I I think that there's a big Venn diagram crossover between those people who are tailgating because you know that they're putting both of you at risk and name the asshole category. Name the, they're also probably the guy who would cut you off in line in real life, the guy who has a gun in his car, the guy who I'm willing to attribute, he's probably, you know, You wouldn't
0: want to play a board game with them.
1: That's Yeah, exactly. They're not, and it's funny, road is almost by definition like, I'll never see you again. Why should I care what you think of me? I'm going to do, I have a friend named Brad in Chicago that regularly talks about, I do the speed limit. I won't go over. He must have had, I think he said he had bad experiences with just kind of being the one busted out of 10 people that were driving poorly. And nowadays whatever ticket is 75 bucks, he just doesn't want to do that anymore. But and maybe that's a little bit slower than the flow of traffic, but by having how many people he's had flash the lights, honk the horn, et cetera, et cetera, when he's really the one obeying the law, that's an odd thing that if, is there any situation in life where people are more breaking the law than how they drive
0: Yeah, and not only breaking the
1: law, but taking on risk and doing it foolishly we haven't even talked about. It. If I'm going along at 64 and it's raining cats and dogs. I don't want to be the guy that's going to hydroplane into the bridge abutment because you tried to get me out of your way, et cetera, et cetera. Right. It's, I, you, you're not aware of our circumstances. You're not aware that it's possibilities of black ice, black they, possibilities. They think, of oh, I've
0: got, a, I've got an SUV. I've got a, pit, I've got a truck. I'm good. I'm so not I, yes,
1: exactly. physics. And also, Colleen and I regularly go to things and then we'll drive back late to get home. If it's 1130 at night and someone is like zooming around, it's like, buddy, where do you have to be? I am willing to step outside myself and attribute to them, what's the emergency here? You need to get your midnight flight at the airport? Nope, no airport around here, et cetera, et cetera. This isn't an an anomaly. You do this all the freaking time. I'm pretty sure you're just a jerk.
0: You know what I mean? And so take your jerkness elsewhere. How about that lane? Go to the other lane anyway. Yeah, absolutely. (laughs) All right. I need to jump off because I got another meeting to jump to. Okay.
1: so Always a pleasure. We got to very little of what was on our list. But yeah. how it goes. I'm glad we got a chance to talk about Pittsburgh. So happy that you had a wonderful time there. And next week, what we'll is? We'll talk about crosser puzzles and, kind of and all other cool things. As always. And
0: I got to tell you about the book that took me 42 years to read. And the ghost story. Exactly. Yeah.
1: Yes. Okay.
0: All right. Later. <laughs> take
1: care, Peter. Uh, sorry. Take care, steven Peter Straub Peter, is Peter a ghost Straub. story. All right. <laughs>
0: This has been the Relentless Geekery Podcast. If you enjoy our conversation, please subscribe on your favorite podcast app and go give us a review. Give us some likes. It would help a lot. Check out our website, relentlessgeekery.com, where we have links to our Facebook page. Join the conversation and go check out our YouTube page where we have the video of this and other episodes. You have been listening to the Relentless Geekery podcast. Come back next week and join Alan and Stephen's conversation on geek topics of the week.